We are only weeks away from the start of the college basketball season. Welcome, everybody, to the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer. Uh, again, we are only a few weeks away, so we're starting to get down into the nitty-gritty of uh, starting to look at teams more in depth, uh, as well as we'll kind of go over some uh, news that's come out over the course of the last few weeks. Um, and we're going to get right into it. Uh, we do have Anthony Passarelli, the Santa Clara play-by-play uh, -play man. He'll be on on with me in a little bit. Um, but first, let's kind of talk about some of the big news out of the NBA, which does impact college basketball. And that being that the uh, the NBA and the Players Association are in uh, their CBA negotiations. And one of the things that looks like is going to come to fruition is a lowering of the eligibility uh, from 19 to 18 for the NBA draft. And this could potentially take effect as early as 2024. So obviously, like this is going to impact college basketball in a number of ways. There have been a few changes the NBA has made that's impacting college basketball already. Uh, changes to the G League have already kind of made that an option for kids coming right out of high school. And now this is going to be another one where now uh, we will see a few we'll have, uh, high school students will have the opportunity to go right out of high school rather than having to come to college. And so this is kind of a re this is reverting back to where we were prior to 2004, 2005. And I don't think it changes a whole lot for the WCC. Now you, you're going to start to see kind of like that trickle down effect without these one and dones, uh, the power five schools are going to uh, kind of go down the, go down to their next tier list. And, and so these are going to be guys who are not finished products, uh, guys who are not, like going to be high draft picks or whatnot. So you're seeing more and more guys actually uh, go be multi-year players at the college level because that's kind of what their uh, their development track is going to show. And I think that's what we're going to see more and more. So this actually might be, to an extent, we're going to get to know more of the guys in college basketball, maybe a little better because there'll be fewer of these one-and-done players because they'll go straight to the NBA or even have the opportunity to go to the G League. And again, so the trickle-down effect for the WCC, I don't think it's a huge impact because if you look around the conference, uh, even in this past year where there, you have the Chet Holmgrens and Andrew Namhards and uh, you have Jalen Williams going number 12, Jalen Williams is a three-year guy. So that wasn't probably going to change much for him. Andrew Namhard, fifth-year senior, wasn't going to change for him. Now, a guy like Chet Holmgren, he's probably the one outlier in the WCC circles that would have been that would have gone probably last year same goes for Jalen Suggs a year ago so I don't think it's going to impact a whole lot again like Gonzaga you look up and down even Gonzaga's roster this is a team that has a lot of veteran players on it the Drew Timmies Julian Strothers uh Rashir Bolton like they're they're built with high level talent who sticks around and so like I think that's that it will not impact a lot of these, the WCC programs really at all. Uh, the only thing that we could see is that maybe like as this transition starts to happen, some of those guys that might have gone to like a St. Mary's or a St. Mary's or a USF, maybe get picked up by a, a program that's a, maybe a slight tier higher than them. Uh, so that might be the only difference. But then again, you're also looking at recruiting circles, who recruits where and whatnot, program style, that sort of thing. So maybe there isn't a whole lot of difference. So while I think this is actually, I think this is a really good step. I think this was the right move to kind of go forward for the NBA. It 
it makes it so that uh, the kids who are ready to play in the NBA can play in the NBA right away. They don't have to wait for this one year extra in college. And I know like even at the beginning of when this happened, like everyone was saying like, oh, the one and done would be a farce or whatnot. And so I, I, I get it of why there was that that negative impact. But we also got to see some great, great players come into college basketball, even if it was for a year. Uh, the Ke- Kevin Durant, I think, was like one of the very first ones that kind of went through that that mode. Um, Carmelo Anthony, I think, was another one of them. Um, and but but I don't think it's going to impact the college game really all that much. There's some speculation of like, oh, it's going to hurt the game, blah, blah, blah. No, I don't think that's going to happen. College sport, college basketball is not going to be impacted at all. In fact, like this actually might make it easier to start to follow more players because they'll be sticking around for a little bit longer, even on the higher levels. And speaking of reformatting and everything else, we also got a little bit of news or reporting from CBS Sports a few weeks back about about this potential reformatting of the NCAA tournament. So necessarily it wasn't news a couple of weeks ago, but uh, they CBS News uh, put out their candid coaches poll and asked coaches what they thought about the NCAA tournament, whether it should stay as is or to a 68-team all-at-large format. And I am glad to say that the coaches are right there overwhelmingly with most of the college basketball watching world, uh, 97% say to stay as is. And I could not agree more. Uh, this comes, all of this comes out uh, because earlier in the off season, uh, CBS uh, sports uh, got this report. So I'll just, I'm going to quote from the report on their, on cbssports.com. Earlier this off season, sources told CBS sports that sec commissioner, Greg Sankey, had been vocal in meetings with major college sports stakeholders over his willingness to consider changing the NCAA tournament. This was confirmed in August when Sankey went on the record, albeit with language that was equal parts understated and vague with Sports Illustrated. Quote, just take a fresh look at all of it, Sankey told SI. As we think collectively, everyone goes to the corner and says, I have to hang on to what's mine, but how do we contribute and build and build it better together? So he's also a member of the, uh, and he's a co-chair of the Division One Transformation Committee, which is kind of this this is this group that's looking to kind of restructure um, and look at potential ways to enhance the NCAA uh, NCAA experience in general as a and not not specifically tournaments or whatnot. But the the tournament is obviously one of the things that he wants to look at, and. This is something that I think the vast majority of college basketball fans are like, leave the tournament alone. It is the one thing I think that most everyone agrees on is near perfect. The at-large system is the at-large system. While it does have flaws of who they select and how they select and that sort of thing. And there'll always be those conversations about who gets left out. The auto bid is, and those Cinderella stories is what makes March Madness as special as it is. If you don't have the, if you don't have those, uh, I'm going completely blank between auto bid and uh, at large. Uh, if you don't have those auto bids, you don't get the St. Peter's. You don't get the George Masons of past. 
you don't get the VCUs. You don't get the a VCU actually, they weren't at large. I take that back, not VCU. But you, do, you don't get these incredible stories. And then these schools who then get to relive these moments for generations. Because when you do have a team who wasn't expected to be there and to do what they do, it's a huge impact on the school, the alums, the students, the faculty, the entire university. It, it really does mean something for a lot of these schools. And it would mean, and it's going to mean more for the St. Peter's to do what they did than it was going to be if, say, it was Stanford instead. I don't want to see, like, it would have felt less and almost hollow if it was Stanford who had actually pulled these same upsets. Yes, it would be shocking. It would have been exciting. And maybe I'm picking on Stanford a little bit here, but it's like, you kind of get the idea. It's like, there's still a power, there's still a power five school. They they're supposed to be good to an extent where the St. Peter's can't come out of nowhere and shock the world and become the darling of the NCAA tournament. There's no reason to kind of to mess with that. There's no reason to think that this needs to be tweaked. If anything that needs to be tweaked and it is constantly being tweaked is how we select those, those at large bids, how we select those teams and I think that's always going to be the question, and we'll continue to argue forever about who was snubbed, who wasn't, who doesn't belong there, who did belong there. But the one thing I think we that everyone agrees on is that, or that, again, 97% of people, of the coaches agree, and I think it's about the same for everybody else, is that this tournament is great because of the unexpected stories that can happen to it. The first two weeks of the NCAA tournament are maybe the most exciting, exciting events in all of, in all of sports on a yearly basis. So let's leave it alone. Let's keep it as it is. The NCAA tournament is about as, is about as perfect a sporting event as you can have. And so now we'll transition to a team that, I mean, if they were fully healthy all of last year, maybe they were an NCAA tournament team, Santa Clara. And you look at just what they were able to accomplish last year. This was a team that went 21 and 12, third in the WCC, highest they've been in a very long time. They unseat BYU, they leapfrog USF, get to the NIT for the first time also in, in quite a while. They were a top 80 uh, Ken Palm team and also a top 80 net team. Now, going into this year, it's going to be a little bit of a change, actually a big change, because they do lose three starters. They lose Yosef Brankic, they lose PJ Pipes, and of course they lose Jalen Williams. And while you can start to try to see like, how are you, how do you fill in uh, Brankic Brankage in his spot. How do you fill in uh, what Pipes was able to do? You're not you're not going to replace a Jalen Williams that easily. So, as you look at what's then coming back, you have Keyshawn Justice, very good player. You ha have Jordan Williams, very good player, who was coming off the bench last year. Jaden Bediaco, who I think was really uh, starting to kind of hit his stride toward the end of last year. Parker Brown, who's going to give you solid minutes. And then you have some of the new guys coming in. So like the two big key additions are going to be uh, Carlos Marshall Jr. and Brandon Pajemski, uh, the Illinois transfer. 
And Pajemski was pretty impressive over the um, over their European tour. He averaged like 18 a game. Uh, this was a guy who scored like 35 a game in high school, uh, his senior season. Uh, so this this they have some pieces. They're not the cupboard is not bare for Santa Clara. Where they're going to finish, I, I think I still have them closer to the back end, but we'll see. And. Again, the Santa Clara team has talent. I think Herb Sendek's done a really good job with them. Uh, but let's let's hear from someone who knows this team a little bit better, who who's got to see them on a game in game out basis. And uh, we will bring in Anthony Passarelli to to kind of give us kind of a scoop on Santa Clara and where they are right now. All right, so we'll bring on Anthony Passarelli, the voice of Santa Clara men's basketball. Um, and as we're getting close to WC season, they're, we're getting excited. Uh, Anthony, how's, how's summer been for you? And how excited are you to kind of get going on basketball season again? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Zach. I appreciate it. Any chance I get to talk about Santa Clara basketball, I'm, I love to do it. And I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm always excited this time of year. It's, you know, we're just uh, uh, the non-conference is right around the corner. They do a couple of exhibition, closed door exhibitions. And so those are those are coming up. Uh, here we are in September. So it's, uh, I, you know, follow social media and you know how many days are left till the first non-conference game. So uh, summer's been great, but I'm definitely looking forward to getting the season started. So let's 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 wind the clock back to last season because this was like one of the more exciting Santa Clara seasons we've had in quite a while. And between like getting the NIT birth, just seeing the growth of Jalen Williams, uh, just kind of like it because it seemed like everything started to click for that for that for this team last year. Uh, take me through just like what what it was like being around that team and when did it seem like oh this is a team that could do that's going to be special. Well. Um... You know, first of all, I mean, the staff, Herb and, and the staff are fantastic. So it's always great to be around the team. Um, I We got an idea about what this team could do, go, you know, right off the bat. So they started the season 5-0. and uh, They beat Stanford by 15, 16 points. Nevada, a team that had come in a, a few years prior with Eric Musselman as a head coach and, and beaten the Broncos pretty well at Levy Center on the home floor, uh, beat Nevada by over 20 points. And then went ahead and um, beat beat up on TCU at a at holiday tournament Thanksgiving in Southern California, but it was a kind of a difficult time. I mean, five and zero start. Everybody was excited, obviously, but right before that trip to um, thanks uh, Thanksgiving trip down to Southern California, they lose Josef Frankich. So you've got, you know, fifth year senior, one of the leaders on the team, um, along with Jalen Williams and Keyshawn Justice and some of the other some of the other guys uh, in there. But I mean, Yosef is Mr. Santa Clara. I mean, the guy loved to play at Santa Clara and he was uh, wanted to play as many years as he could as they let him, as he told me. Uh, but he ended up with mono. So he missed the better part of seven, eight games. And there were some tough losses in there. There was a, a loss to UC Irvine. There was a loss to Fresno State. So after beating TCU, a ranked team, they went uh, came up short against Fresno State. So while the I think of the players who had to pick up the slack were developing and growing, not having Yosef back until mid-December was very difficult for the team. Um, and then he started to get integrated again, back into what everybody was doing. Then it was the old Yosef again. And uh, though I think there were times throughout the year that, you know, players get sick or have a knock or whatever, um, the team beat BYU at home. And BYU typically is a, is a tough team to beat in the West Coast Conference, like a Gonzaga or like a St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. But a home win over BYU on a last second shot by Jalen Williams was one of the high points. And you start thinking, OK, 
Now we're starting to get that form back that we had early in non-conference and then to beat St. Mary's at home and then go to Gonzaga and lose by 12 and be in the game late. Um, that I think we you start to see an idea of what this team can do. Um, and then just to carry that through to the conference tournament, uh, the number three seed, which is, I mean, you get to a, a shot at, you know, getting to the quarterfinals and then beat Portland and then come up short three points against St. Mary's. I think all that put together, the team had confidence. The team was feeling like they were a postseason team. I know there's a tier of tournaments after the NCAA tournament, but that it was definitely a team that would deserve to play on. And they got the NIT bid to play at Washington state. I mean, it really felt like, I mean, for me, like, yes, like the Stanford game, the Nevada game were like two of those games were like, wow. It's like, okay, this is going to be like, they're going to be in the conversation at some point down the road. I think the right. one, the one that really kind of like stood out to me was, was that TCU game without, without Brankage in the lineup. And that was, kind of I think for me was when we saw Jalen Williams really kind of like break out and be the guy and just carried that team um in that game for you it's like especially with Jalen the way we just saw him progress and get better and better and better throughout the course of the year how excited was that to kind of see like him kind of go through that and because like we even from a year ago it's like it seemed like he just like he made leaps and bounds um, um improvements in his game Absolutely. And when he came in as a freshman, and I remember seeing the group of incoming freshmen play before non-conference started, just going to a practice before the season and asking like I usually do, because I'm not with the team every day, uh, a couple of the assistant coaches, can you tell me, you know, who who should I be looking at? And they would go through, this kid's going to be good. This this player's going to be good, but watch out for Jalen Williams. Um, and it, I was just like, okay, Jalen Williams, I'll write that down. And freshman year, um, he forced his way into the starting lineup. And he did have an injury, I think, early sophomore year, and but then came back and, and grew. If you look at his numbers, he, he was growing the entire time. And he always had the co confidence. And you're like, boy, that kid's pretty confident for someone who's kind of learning the college game, growing into his own body. And by the time uh, after COVID, by the time we get to last season, um, you know, it was almost like there wasn't anything he didn't think he could do. And he would show you on a nightly basis. Uh, defensively, just outstanding. Um, so smooth with his mid-range jump shot and his three-pointers and his explosion to the basket. You're starting to think, uh, okay. But I mean, it's been so long since Santa Clara has had somebody that would be in the conversation for an NBA first or second round draft pick, let alone where he was taken so early in that first round. Um, you know, that didn't enter my mind. I know I'm pretty sure it entered the coach's mind, but his the growth from conference tournament just before conference tournament to conference tournament to um the combine and he just shot up everyone's draft boards and it was kind of i mean it was super exciting to, to be able to watch the draft and see him picked so high by uh, oklahoma city and um i mean it was just like okay yeah you know and, and just always so humble and you can credit his family for that, his mom and dad and his brother. Um, just there's no better story from a Santa Clara standpoint um, than Jalen Williams. Yeah, he, I mean, he was so exciting to watch. And again, you talk about like how humble he was throughout the whole process. And I think that's one of the things that I think endeared him to a lot of like other like WCC fans and everybody else. It's yeah. like this is a guy who like who who worked hard. He put in the time like he was he always he always was like that 
good person throughout the whole process. And I think that was one of the exciting things to see, like even those of us who like maybe like are like, cause me being a St. Mary's alum and a USF alum, it's like, he, I will say like, he was one of the guys like, I did not want to see Jalen Williams in the conference tournament because of how good and how much he had developed. And because we knew he could carry a team and we, right. because we had seen that throughout the course of the year. And I think for those of us on kind of the WCC insider or whatever, had seen his growth and like this kid's an NBA player, this kid's an NBA player, but because we're, because it's, he plays for Santa Clara, he kind of flies under the radar and all that sort of stuff. Like, is he going to make, that's when we started to see maybe late first round, mid first round. And then, yeah, right. as you talked about the combine, he just jumps and jumps and jumps and jumps as well, basically the secret was out. Absolutely. And I think when I first started looking and seeing, you know, we all see the websites and people making their first and second round draft project projections, um, March 50th, 49th pick. And then as it gets closer, closer to the combine, then he, you know, jumps up a tier like five or seven slots. And then now you're starting to see him at 26, 25. And uh, again, just like super proud, but I mean, nothing compared to the Santa Clara, you know, Herb Sendick and his staff and obviously his parents and his brother. It's just, uh, just real cool. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the team that's going to be here this year. So no, no Jalen Williams, no Vrankich, no PJ Pipes. Right. But you bring back, you still have Keyshawn Justice. You have Jordan Williams, who's returning, Jaden Bediaco. Right. Talk about the, so the guys who are going to be back on this roster and kind of what we should expect from these guys. Yeah. Two two starters return. So it's Keyshawn, who's a fifth, uh, gosh, I was a six-year player, fifth year, six year, <laughs> big grad student. Yeah. And so he's a he's a big guard, over a thousand points in his career. I mean, you've seen him play. He's yeah. uh steady, uh, excellent shooter from outside, and the team's leading rebounder from last year. So even at six seven, just a body, he's got a nose for a ball, nose for the ball, and uh that veteran like leadership, right? So you've got him coming back. You've got Jaden Bediaco, and I know you talked about he didn't start last year, but seven games or eight games, but six ten, big bodies, the senior um can block shots and just hustles. He gets up and down the floor. Uh Parker Brown, who came in from Missouri, it transferred in um, not this year, but before last season. Um you know, shot blocker. And it's pretty nice to have a couple of guys who played that position down low in Herb's um, offense and defensive scheme. So you've got those two guys. Um, and then coming back from an injury, Jordan Williams. And so he was, you know, one of the first guards off the bench for Herb. He got injured right at the end of last year, pretty serious injury. And so he's going to be back. And Carlos Marshall, um, correction, Carlos Stewart, uh, is back as well. And he was like, um, I don't know, like the microwave for us. And he'd come mm -hmm. in the energy with which he played. He started a couple games um, in the middle of the season when PJ pipes was out sick and, or non-conference and uh, just super exciting to watch. Had a great game against San Jose state. I think the player that we haven't named yet, who I'm really excited to see more of is Jacob Holt. So he was injured at the start of the season. He's a sophomore, 6'9", 220, 230. Um, and from what I hear, because I didn't go to Europe when the team did the tour through um, Spain and played in France uh, just a few weeks ago, is that he's really made some leaps in his rebounding. Um, and so, you know, when you don't have Josef Vrankic, who was a strong rebounder, um, you can't rely entirely on Keyshawn Justice, although he'll be there again, grabbing boards, offensive and defensive. Um, I'm excited to see Jacob Holt again as well. So I know I pretty much named everybody, yeah. but, uh, 
uh, you've got those two returning starters, and then you've got a host of guys who are just chomping at the bit to play. And and at because we've also had like Santa Clara has a couple of big transfers that came in. As you've talked with the coaches, like who from the the newcomers should we kind of like be keeping our eyes on or looking for this year? Right. Well, we have a couple of guys. So Carlos, Mar I said Carlos Marshall before, but it's uh, Carlos Stewart is the returning player. And Carlos Marshall, who uh, goes by chef, a 6'6", 200 pound grad students from Tennessee State, two time all Ohio Valley Conference selection, led the team in scoring last year at about 13 a game. So he's a big guard. And he's going to come in and he's going to mix it up. And some of the, I don't know if you follow the Broncos on Instagram, they they showed some of his highlights from Europe. So I'm excited to see him play. And Brandon Pajimski, who is um, a sophomore transfer in from Illinois, didn't get a lot of action last year. Another big guard, 6'6", 200 pounder. Uh, didn't, I think he played maybe 16 games as a freshman, but from Wisconsin was the 21 USA Today Milwaukee male basketball player of the year. And he's a scorer. He averaged 35 points and 10 rebounds uh, as a senior high schooler. And so, uh, as you could tell, I've got all my notes here. But I saw that. I'm so excited <laughs> to see. Listen, I'm so excited to see these guys because I know they come back and are already practicing again at Santa Clara. So when I get back from my business trip, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them play. And then you've got a um, couple of players from Germany, Jake Ensminger who is a, a big guard, 6'9", uh, can handle the basketball, obviously. And we've got a seven-footer, uh, Christoph Tilly, coming in, um, seven-foot center from Berlin. So, um, gosh, can we start tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just so like, kind of like building off of what the success of last year is, like, what's that going to be able to kind of do for the confidence of this group, uh, for the veterans who are returning, for, for Herb and the staff to kind of like put together, like, all right, this is what we were able to accomplish a year ago. Here's let's kind of go out and let's, let's try to build off of that. What's sort what's, what's kind of like the, the build off of last year? Well, I think, and this is not having talked to, to Herb and the staff too much until you do it, you don't know if you can do it. And so um, start consistently beating teams like um, BYU and St. Mary's and, and have a shot late in games against Gonzaga and maybe turn that corner. So they were able to do that, beat the BYUs, beat the St. Mary's mm -hmm. last year. And the year before that, I think the last two years on the road at St. Mary's. So you're starting to see some consistency with the program to get into the conversation for the top three. Um, and, you know, I, listen, every team that goes out there wants to win the conference. And that's been difficult. We we know that with yeah. Gonzaga and all the fantastic things Mark Few has done with the program uh, there. But, you know, I think Santa Clara thinks that, believes that they belong in that conversation. And uh, the results last year um, showed that. And, you know, Jalen Williams was there, obviously a huge part of that. But now you've got players that have seen how it's done and are ready to do more of it. All right. I'll get you out of here on one last question. And so of the WCC cities, like obviously there are some great WCC cities um, amongst it. Like what's your favorite non Santa Clara city and what's your go-to food stop in that city? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we do a lot of eating with the team. So um, when we, and there were quite a few games last year that we didn't travel. So COVID mm. kind of hurt us on the, on the travel so what are we talking about? WCC cities? WCC um, cities. Gosh, I like them all. I, I'm a real big fan of Portland. So you can always find a great place to eat. 
um, and great place to get donuts. I know there's a couple of nice donut places there. I'm a big donut fan, but I'm always, I'm a big fan of Portland as a city overall. And that's not to disparage any of the other cities in the West Coast Conference. I know you're going to be talking to Jack Cronin at some point. San Diego. <laughs> I'm a big fan of San Diego as well. Um, oh gosh, there's a fantastic taco place. There's a bunch of them in San Diego. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> it's out by the freeway, but I'm a big fan of, of tacos in San Diego. Mm-hmm and uh and donuts and and food trucks in portland so i, I don't think you can go wrong if you I, choose I'm, these I, I'm agreement on portland i that's one of my favorite cities too like great food yeah. scene. Um, have you ever had reindeer sausage i don't think i've had reindeer sausage yet <laughs> there's a there's a spicy southwest mac and cheese and a reindeer sausage that are fantastic if you can find the right food truck in portland um so i definitely recommend that all right We'll definitely be looking for that on the next trip up to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, well, thanks, Anthony, for uh, taking some time talking some Santa Clara basketball season is almost here. Only I think it's less. We're less than 50 days away. So yes. uh, great, great, great um, being able to talk to you and we'll uh, catch up down the road. Yeah, Zach, this has been great. I look forward to seeing you on the trail. I, we're going to be back traveling more um, this upcoming season. So I look forward to meeting up with you and uh, maybe in Portland, uh, I'll let you buy me some mac and cheese. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Want to thank Anthony uh, one more time uh, for hopping on. It was great to, to chat with him and we'll be uh, seeing more of him down the road um, as we get the season going, which is again, only weeks away. Uh, so I think there should be a lot of excitement as we get closer to uh, the start of the college basketball season. Uh, we weren't able to kind of, I can't really dive into the Santa Clara schedule quite yet. Uh, we haven't had that release, the full schedule. At least we have a conference schedule, but not the uh, the non-con. So we'll we'll get back to that all, uh, once, especially once we start to do the team previews, which are also coming up in the next, in the coming weeks. So we'll get to uh, team previews for each of the 10 uh, conference teams. Um, and if there's anything specific that you want to kind of know, or like go kind of go more in depth on, uh, let me know, uh, uh, send me something on Twitter at post by Zach. Uh, you can find me there. Um, and also be sure to subscribe to the podcast um, on your favorite streaming services, Apple, Apple, Google, Google podcast um, on, on Spotify. Also, like if you're looking to maybe do uh, if you would rather have this in video format, we also have, I also have a YouTube channel, uh, search unofficial WCC hoops podcast, and you'll find me there. Um, and we'll get out of here with that. Um, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Zach Farmer and I will catch you later.